You are listening to the Berman Method podcast featuring Dr. Jake Berman and Jenny Berman, physician assistant, where we treat problems, not symptoms. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. Time for the Berman Method podcast. We are back and we've got a new microphone for Jenny Bear Berman over there, my beautiful wife. This is Dr. Jake Berman here with my beautiful wife, Jenny. Say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. I have a new microphone. (laughs) So hopefully this is sounding better and better every time. Thank you again for bearing with us. This is the Berman Method podcast where we are focusing on treating problems and not symptoms, right? Right. Want to do a really brief overview of what that exactly means? Just remind everybody. We are looking into identifying problems. So where the problem actually occurs rather than just treating symptoms. So we don't want to make you feel better. We want to figure out the issue and fix the issue from the inside out. Which will ultimately make you feel better the right way. Longer term. Correct. Yeah. So essentially what's happening is Western medicine is treating a bunch of symptoms out there. You have a headache, take this ibuprofen or Tylenol or aspirin or whatever you guys take for headaches and your headache will go away instead of saying, wait a minute, why do I have a headache in the first place? Could it be dehydration? Oh my gosh. Ding, 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 ding. Most common cause of headaches, right? Or too much sodium. Yeah. There we go. Neck pain. Oh, stress. Stress. We got a lot of things that can cause a headache. Yeah. But go ahead and just pop a pill and that'll take care of it. Right? So that's what we're doing. We're treating problems, not symptoms. We don't want to pop pills. We want to figure out what is really causing the headache in the first place and fix that. That way the headache doesn't come back or it's highly unlikely that it comes back or less likely that it comes back. Today, what I want to talk about is the rotary cuff. (laughs) The rotary cup. The rotary cup. (laughs) Rotator cuff. So the shoulder, right? We got a rotator cuff in the shoulder. It's a combination of four muscles that make up your rotator cuff. I was making jokes there because a lot of my patients will come in and say it's the rotary cup or some other. I broke the rotary cup. Broke the rotary cup. And it's just funny. I guess it's PT humor. Anyways, I want to talk about it today because we're recording this in the summer of 2021. We're officially a year and a half into this or past COVID, however you want to say it. And we've been getting a lot of calls lately for rotator cuff problems, shoulder problems, neck problems. However, by far the most common complaint we've gotten over the past three months is rotator cuff complaints. What does COVID have to do with that? Great question. During COVID, were people more active or less active in general? Oh, I would say less, far less. The gyms were closed. Yep. Gyms were closed. Everything was closed. So people were much less active, which generally means that people were sitting a lot more than they had been pre-COVID. Makes sense. The reason why this is relevant to shoulder pain is because when we sit, we tend to fall into bad posture. Our shoulders kind of slouch forward. 
our chin protrudes forward a little bit more. And this is in comparison to standing. When we stand up, it's much easier to get our shoulders back, our chest up, our head up high. But when we're sitting, we kind of just slouch over because it, in general, sitting is a passive thing. You just jump up on the, or jump into the couch and sit. You get into the recliner and you sit. You get into your chair and you just sit. It's not really an active thing. Why this is leading to rotator cuff problems is because anything can become a habit. The longer you stay in any position, whether it's active, passive, sitting, standing, laying down, it tends to become a habit. And when you go to stand up after all this prolonged sitting over the past year and a half due to COVID, now you're maintaining that same rounded shoulder position, forward chin, rounded shoulders, and that increases the stress on the rotary cup, <laughs> <laughs> the rotator cuff. So does this poor posture cause a tear of the rotator cuff? Great question. Most of the time, when people first start to feel pain in the shoulder area, it's not because there is a tear there. Most of the time, when people first start feeling insidious pain, insidious pain means it just happened out of nowhere. You didn't slip and fall. There was no trauma. It just started hurting. Most of the time when that happens, it's because there's something getting pinched. I call it the pinchyitis. Remember, we want to keep things as simple as possible. So essentially what happens is there's a muscle in there, one of the rotator cuff muscles of the bicep or one of those things in there that's getting pinched between two bones. And that hurts. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sounds painful. And that's what ultimately leads to the pain response. So over time, when something hurts, do you stand up in better posture or do you slouch down in even worse posture? I'd say go to worse posture. Right. You don't have to use the muscles. Right. Because when you try to use the muscles, it hurts. So when it hurts, you avoid the pain response and you just slouch down into worse posture. And this creates a downward spiral in the wrong direction for the efficiency of the shoulder muscles. Do you know how many muscles attach to the shoulder blade, by the way? Mm, no, how many? I'm not sure either. This is, oh. a, this is a question that I usually ask my students. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the student at? Oh my gosh. It's over 17 though. It's between 17 and 20 because you can argue some things more than others. However, there's at least 17 muscles that attach to the shoulder blade, your scapula. And those muscles are all responsible for the efficient movement of the shoulder joint. The problem is those muscles cannot work efficiently when you're in poor posture. Kind of like how I'm sitting right now. I'm sitting, we don't have the most ergonomically correct recording room. So I'm actually sitting on a bar stool right now <laughs> from downstairs in our kitchen. I'm sitting on this bar stool and to reach the microphone, I'm kind of just slouched over here talking into the microphone. So if I were to raise my hand over my head right now, I'm putting increased stresses on the little itty bitty muscles of the rotator cuff. You do that repetitively over time, that's what tends to wear it down and that starts the pain response. Well, what about the MRI? Great question. 
So you're skipping a couple of steps, but let's oh. go ahead and get into that. So essentially what happens is when people have shoulder pain, the first thing that pops into the majority of Americans' minds is, oh no, I have a rotator cuff tear. And it doesn't necessarily mean that. So they'll go to the doctor, they'll request the x-ray, and here's a side note, x-rays do not show soft tissue injuries. X-rays are for bones. So if you have shoulder pain and you didn't fall, you have there's no possibility that you actually broke a bone and somebody wants to give you an x-ray, just say no. You do not need an x-ray and that's just extra money that they're charging your insurance. You don't need an x-ray because x-rays cannot identify soft tissue problems. So then the next thing that happens is they'll get an MRI. MRIs do identify soft tissue problems. You go and you have your MRI and the results will come back and it will say, can say, mild tear, moderate tear, severe tear, or tendonitis, tendonitis, inflammation, edema, those kind of things. However, that's even if it does say the word tear, that still is not enough to mean that you need to have surgery. The first boss that I ever had, the last internship I was ever at, and ultimately became my first boss, a guy named Bob Seaton out of Destin, Florida, up in the panhandle of Florida. He is one of the guys that taught me this on essentially day one because they teach us in school how to read x-rays, how to read MRIs, and that's what's going to identify problems. However, when I was working with Bob, when a, a new patient would come in with their MRI results, he goes, do not look at the MRI results before you look at the patient. Because if you look at the MRI results before you look at the patient, you will try to find either consciously or subconsciously what you saw on the paper. So what you want to do is you want to look at the patient first objectively and go through your objective measures and see what is going on here, get your, get your diagnosis, and then look at the MRI afterwards and see if it matches. The reason why this is important is because there's some words that describe the severity of findings on an MRI. And what Bob taught me was you want to look for the words mild, moderate, and severe. So if you have a mild tear of your rotator cuff on the MRI, mild doesn't really mean a whole lot. Mild could be a normal degenerative process of just getting older. Moderate tear on your MRI findings, that could mean something or it could not mean something. It could be a normal part of the aging process. It could be a false positive, or it could mean something. This is when we have to say, does the moderate tear result or findings on the MRI match what the clinical presentation is? If it doesn't match, meaning that if you don't have pain with certain objective movements that would correlate with that finding on the MRI, then it's irrelevant. If they do correlate, that's when we say, okay, we've got a moderate tear on the MRI, which is consistent with what we're finding here in the clinic. Now we have to figure out, is this possible to keep uh, treat this 
conservatively, can we avoid surgery? And that's when we go through the process of working with them for two, three, four, five weeks. And we better be seeing some significant improvements in the right direction over the next three, four, five weeks. If we don't, that's when we say, okay, we're, we're trying really hard here, but it's not going in the right direction. So maybe it is time to consider surgery. Can I ask you a question right quick? So Hold what- on, I didn't say you could. Well, I was going to anyway, whether you said yes or no. I just was being polite. So what are some symptoms that can mimic a rotator cuff tear but may not actually be from the rotor, rotator cuff, rotary cuff? <laughs> Great question. So what are some symptoms that could mimic an actual rotator cuff pathology? So first of all, before we answer that question, let's go to the extreme. Let's say your MRI says a severe tear or a complete tear. The way that Bob taught me that I've taken with me through my career is if you have a complete tear of your rotator cuff, when you go to raise your hand over your head, you won't be able to get it there without shrugging your shoulder up towards your ear. That is called a shoulder shrug sign or a positive shoulder shrug. And that is the majority of the time consistent with a severe tear, complete tear rotator cuff of the rotator cuff, which requires surgery. So with that said, now let's go back and answer your questions. What are some other symptoms that could mimic a rotator cuff tear? The pinchyitis. The pinchyitis is the most common symptom that mimics a rotator cuff tear. That's when you go to raise your arm up forward, usually out to the side. That's when people feel it the most is when you go to reach your arm over to the side and you feel that pinching pain. It could be a sharp pinching pain. The way we know that it's not a rotator cuff problem is on day one, we do a pretest. Go ahead and move your shoulder out to the side. Does it pinch? Yes, it pinches. And then we put you in quote unquote, perfect posture or more efficient posture, which lets all those 17 plus muscles of the shoulder joint or shoulder girdle work more efficiently. And then we have you do it again. If the pain gets better or goes away, then we know it's most likely not a rotator cuff tear. If it doesn't change significantly, then we need more investigation. Or what you mean is the pain is not coming from the rotator cuff tear. Because you could have a chronic rotator cuff tear that's been there for years and years, and yes, you have one, but the pain you've been having for the past three months is not coming from that tear you've had for years. Yes. Thank okay. you very much for bringing that Just up. Just clarifying. Yep. So let's go back to the MRIs, right? Just because a rotator cuff tear shows up on your MRI does not mean that that tear is what is causing your new acute shoulder pain. So what Jenny is saying is you could have had that mild or moderate tear for years without any pain because it could just be a normal degeneration of the rotator cuff because of poor posture or whatever else. But it wasn't until something somewhere else got aggravated, the bicep got pinched and that inflamed, that you started to actually feel pain. So just because you have a rotator cuff tear does not mean that that is what is causing the pain. 
Got it. And so by doing these objective tests in the office, that's how you're able to determine if the pain is actually coming from the rotator cuff or something different like the bicep tendon or the pinchyitis. Exactly. So what I would like to do right now is let's give anybody listening some immediately actionable advice right now. So if you've got shoulder pain, like a lot of people right now post-COVID, let's do something real simple. We've actually talked about this on the podcast previously. However, this is one of the most important things that you need to think about on a daily basis, and it's the two-finger drill. <laughs> I still have to work on this consciously multiple times a day. We all do. And why do we... Even you and I, why do both of us have to work on this all day, every day, or multiple times a day, every day? Why? Because we sit. Because we sit. Sitting is the new smoking. Have we said that on the podcast yet? No, but that's awful. <laughs> Sitting is now causing more adverse medical effects than smoking is. Did you know that? I did not. Wow. You, you did too know that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sitting causes cancer? Oh, man, we could argue that one way or another, I'm sure. Yeah, I probably could. Okay, so back to the two-finger drill. One finger goes in the belly button, one finger goes on the chest. What if I don't have a belly button? What? Is that possible? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, I guess surgically it could be. But anyways, finger oh, in the belly button. Lock it up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Okay, so it doesn't matter if you're sitting or standing. One finger goes in the belly button, one finger goes on the chest. First thing you do is... Wait a second. People can't see you. Where on the chest? Right on your chest bone. So between the nipples, right on the chest bone. Sternum bone, yes. Right. First thing you do is pull your belly button in towards your spine. So you should feel that finger in your belly button get pulled in towards your spine. Keep breathing. Do not hold your breath when you do this. You've got to pull the belly button in and maintain your breathing. Then the next thing you do is that finger on your chest. Try to get your chest up towards the ceiling. It's going to be a small movement, but it's going to be a significant movement in regards to the muscles that it's taken to do that motion. So keep that belly button pulled in, keep breathing, and then lift that chest up towards the ceiling. Again, it's a small motion, you should start to feel some muscles working in the middle of the middle of your back. If you don't feel those muscles working in the middle of the middle of your back, so between your shoulder blades, just lower than your shoulder blades, middle of the shoulder blade area, pull the belly button in harder because you'll be using your low back if you're not feeling those muscles in the middle of the middle of your back. So pull that belly button in, keep breathing, lift that chest up, that's one way that we can improve posture, which will then improve the efficiency of the shoulder girdle. Like Jenny was saying, this is something that we have to do multiple times a day. So for you guys listening out there, try to do it for 10 seconds. Hold it for 10 seconds, 10 times a day, just to get in the routine of feeling those muscles work. Can I add something to that that I personally have to focus on to help me? When I pull in my belly button and I pull my chest out, I have to think about putting my shoulder blades into my back pockets of my pants, and that will allow my shoulders to drop because I think it is possible for you to pull your chest out with your shoulders shrugged up. 
Right. You're absolutely correct. It so is possible. I have to think about really pulling my shoulder blades down into my back pockets to help get into the right position. Okay, we're going into some more advanced things. Let's start with the basics. Pull the belly button in, get the chest up. Then the next thing we do is just let the shoulder blades or shoulders just drop out of your ears. So belly button in, chest up, let the shoulders drop out of your ears. Hold it for 10 seconds, 10 times a day. Get those muscles woken up. Woke them up. That's proper English, right? I think so. You were never an English major, so it's okay. <laughs> we'll forgive you. Uh, that was my brother. He used to ace his spelling bee every day. And then I'm like, how do you spell dog? <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for Siri these days. <laughs> well, I think that's part of the problem. Siri, and it started with spell check. It's true. Right? Why would I learn how to spell if we got spell check? All right. And then it went to Jenny. Jenny, how do you spell? <laughs> Let's get back to business here. <laughs> do you have anything else? Am I missing anything for this shoulder topic? Well, I mean, I think you could talk about the shoulder for hours, but I think this was a good basic overview that the MRI does not dictate where our pain is coming from. We need to look into some objective testing to identify what's exactly causing the chest pain. And 90%, would you say, of the time that it's likely related to some postural issues. We're seeing a lot more of it now because of all the sitting we've done and less movement, less exercise through the COVID-19 pandemic. And now something we didn't mention is we sat so long, we didn't exercise for so long. This is a generic statement, not everybody, of course. But then once the gyms opened back up, we just jumped right back into it, trying to lift the same amount of weight and you know same exercises that we did a year and a half ago before COVID happened. And that's contributing to a lot of our pain. You're absolutely right. Because the bad habits set in, but people didn't realize that their posture actually physically changed over the year that they weren't in the gyms. Right. And they go in there and they start lifting the weight and that's what's causing the pinchyitis. Do you have a video on YouTube of your two-finger posture that we can add to the show notes? I think we do. I definitely okay. do. So check it out. We'll list it on the show notes, the two-finger posture, so you can actually see and practice with us to get the feeling, and then you can do it for 10 seconds, 10 times a day. Good idea. Very good idea. Okay, so take-home message is the biggest thing I want you to take away from today really is the mild, moderate, severe thing. If you got an MRI, look at your findings it's usually in the middle to bottom of the page of your paper results, not the CD, the paper results, and look at the findings. You want to look for the words mild, moderate, severe. If it says mild, pretty much just pretend like that isn't even there because it doesn't mean anything significant 99.9% .9 of the time. If it says moderate, then it could mean something. It could not mean something. And it isn't until it says severe that we say, okay, this most likely is something. Let's just make sure that it correlates with what we're seeing clinically and objectively. So that's the biggest take-home message I want you guys to think about when you're looking at MRIs. Go back to the two-finger drill. It's very important. It'll help with shoulder pain, neck pain, the rotator cuff problems. 
check us out on the website, BermanPT.com for physical therapy stuff, BermanPT.com forward slash wellness for Jenny's stuff. Check us out on YouTube. We've got multiple YouTube channels now. So we've got workouts on Jenny's YouTube channel. We've got physical therapy stuff on my YouTube channel. We've even got a golf YouTube channel. We'll talk about that some other day though. Oh, snap. Facebook, Instagram. Jenny's got a ton of good content on Instagram and Facebook. So check those things out. And until next time, try out those two finger drills. Really put some time into it. 10 seconds at least. All right. Sounds great. Ciao for now. All right. Have a great day. For more information, view the show notes where you can email us, visit our website.